Hey everybody, welcome to Bang Boardcast, episode number 301. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out May 25th, 2016. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, as a counterpart to our top 10 DC comics of all time, we're giving you our top 10 Marvel comics of all time. This is going to be... Our favorite runs or arcs from the more recent history of Marvel because we like the newer stuff better. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm so excited! You know, because I know a couple weeks, a uh, couple months ago, we all sat down and read the Dark Phoenix Saga. Can't wait to figure out where that falls on our list. It fell off the list. <laughs> oh, spoilers! And we knew you were so blown away by you know what we said was our top ten favorite DC. We knew we just had to wait before we put out this Marvel one mm-hmm. because we. We knew you needed some time to recoup on that. Yeah, you, know. you need a little bit of time to read all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. And you know, you need to have a couple beers in between. So really uh, digest it. Really, yeah. you know, get in there. It. Yeah, <laughs> you always want to digest your beer. And uh, also your storylines. <laughs> I just realized when I was stepping up the show notes for today, I mistakenly put Young Avengers on there. So yeah, oh. let me fix that. I was trying to shoehorn it into the list. You, yeah, you were. We gave you every opportunity. Those cosplaying Avengers. Well, while you fixed the show notes, uh, Paul and I will talk about this local brewery's IPA. This is XPA.6, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, this is an Indian Pale Ale from Woodcock Brothers Brewing uh, up in Wilson, New York. This is on uh, Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario. Um, just past Lockport for anyone who's... Real local. Real local. Um, and What's the beer called? XPA. XPA. And I think it's got a point six at the end. Uh, this is a four-pack can. 12-boy um, can. 12-boy, uh, yeah. What is the exact ounce on this? You know what I've noticed on a, a bunch of the American craft brewers? They're, they're getting away from the term IPA, and they want to really showcase that it's an American pale ale because they are using different hops. They're not doing... And they might not be as high alcohol as an actual, like, the original IPAs are. So they're really saying, no, well, this is the American take on an IPA. So they're, I'm noticing more and more, like, no, American pale ale. You know, still higher hop, a lot higher alcohol than a regular pale ale, but still not quite that old school IPA. Um, So this, yeah, this is the XPA 6.0. So this is, like, Heinz 57? Like, this is their sixth crack at their XPA? Uh, I think they, like this is a, uh, a single limited run. They have a oh. normal XPA, but this one is brewed with Citra, Mosaic, and Azeka hops. I like those hops. So, so they went um, kind of fresh can, drink fresh on the four-pack on top. It says, like, enjoy by 7-20-2016. So they're kind of doing a fresh... Drink fresh cans, taking their normal XPA and then mm-hmm. juicing it up with some different hops. I don't think, I, Chris, you said you like all these hops or you like those hops. Yes. Uh, Execa hops, I don't think I've really noticed or had. I know I've had Mosaic because of Founders of Mosaic. I know I've had uh, Citra because I love well, myself. You should have had Founders Azeka, which yeah, was. That's, that's how I know I like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Founders is really that's good what about I was showcasing just the different malts and hops that they use in their beers. So, because they always call it out, it's not just like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we brewed a beer, we, we're calling it this." Like they always 
give props to the hops. <laughs> nice. Um, Thank you. If we were to do a beard award show, <laughs> it would be called Props to the Hops. Oh, uh, wow. We will someday. <laughs> Write it down, people. You get pen and paper right in front of you and a computer that we're on every week. <laughs> um, Paul and I had this beer last night. Um, it was it wasn't exactly cold. Mm-hmm. It was probably maybe lukewarm. Yeah, room temperature ish. A little um, cooler than room temperature. And it was good. And yeah. um, Paul, you said I said this is like you know uh, when you're starting a craft beer company, you have to make this level of IPA or better. Otherwise, you don't even bother serving your IPA. You know, it's it's like that. You must be this tall to ride this ride. You know, kind of an IPA. It's not knock it out of the park. It's nothing that, that amazing, but it is dece. It's just decent. Dece, uh, as the kids say nowadays. I say dece. You're you're a kid nowadays. <laughs> uh, having it colder, I like it a lot better than last night. Mm-hmm. I think you get a lot of that kind of citrus. You get that citrus hop, peel. Pop. Uh, really nice, good drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Um, this was... Ten fifty for four taller cans. Uh, I got it because there's been a lot of talk about this beer. A lot of talk about this brewery too. A lot and, of people are liking them. And so I said, you know what? I'll I'll grab it. I'll try it. I think this is good. It'd make me, if I'm in the area, stop by the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's worth that price point. Like you said, it's good, but it's not like the most standing beer ever. You know. Um, but it is good. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. say if it's on tap somewhere, drink it. If oh, yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's here. That's good. This will be a good beer to, you know, when you're done working out in the yard, grab and drink. If it was at a better price point, I think it would be a fantastic beer. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, my, my my talk about Space Juice? Yeah. It's basically like that. Like, it's it's good. It's decent. It's, it's decent. You really exactly. liked Space Juice, though. I did like Space Juice because it was something a little different, and I picked up the four-pack just the one time. But that also had the high price point, where I'm not going to go out of my way and buy it again. No. I thought it was really good. And um, this is, yeah, it's good. Man, sometimes I'm like, man, you know what? If it had a different label on it, if it wasn't the small brewery that was local, would I like it even more if it was coming from someplace else or a brewery that I already enjoy? Yeah, I think like, if, it, if this came from like a Saranac, I'd be like, "This is our best IPA." Yeah, you know, which is kind of sad. Yeah, you have that kind of. If you it know, was, if this came from Magic Hat, I'd be like, "Wow, this is this the, is re- this, this is, is a really good Magic Hat beer." But uh, since it's, but you know, it's a small micro brewery, and they're doing an IPA, and I'm like, "No, this is the level set that you have to do at least this well." Like, is it unfair of me to? talk of that way about it you know they're just starting out i don't know yeah no i I hear what you're saying and it's that weird beer drinker double standard Mm -hmm. because in my head if this was a six pack for 1049 i think i'd think a lot more of it Mm -hmm. versus a four pack for 1049 Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just those weird things you have in your head chris john and i are getting too philosophical (laughs) over here with our beer snobbery uh do you also run into this problem and if not uh what are you drinking um no, I, I run into that problem, so I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, each like brewery has so much like a benchmark depending on what that first beer you had from them was. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for me, the beer that I'm drinking comes from Anderson Valley. Ooh! So I'm always going to equate everything <clears throat> that I get from Anderson Valley to the Bourbon Barrel Stout. 
mm-hmm. which I was able to find down here at a uh, bar the other night. So I got a bottle of that. Mm. Um, and it, it put me in the mood for more of it. So when I actually went to the beer store for this weekend to stock up for the podcast, um, I saw something else from Anderson Alley and Anderson Valley. And I'm going to completely wreck the name of this because it's really weird. It's the Hobbilchichen. Mm. Hobbilchichen. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it is a uh, hoppy wheat ale. Ooh. Um, it, it's, it's not bad. Okay. Um, this is what I was saying. It need, I think it needs to be a little bit cooler because drinking it room temperature, a little bit warmer because I'm down here in Florida. Yeah, those wheats um, need to be real mm-hmm. cold. You're getting just like a lot of that wheat, so it's just like mm-hmm. eating dry cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like the kind of hop bitter on the back end there. Um, not bad. I mean, it's in Anderson Valley, so the price point on it was pretty decent. I think I only spent like $9 for it. I don't dislike it. Um, but if uh, I had to choose between this as it is right now and something like the Full sale Wheat Wine, uh, their 27th anniversary, I'd go for the Full sale because that's like 6 bucks. 6 bucks. it's also a Wheat Wine versus a Wheat Owl. Yeah. Um, was this cans, bottles, a single uh, this bottle? Is, this is a bomber-sized bottle, so it's okay. a little bit bigger. Um, it's still not bad for 8, eight bucks. Mm-hmm. 8 9 bucks. Uh, it's, you know what? Anderson Valley, it, their stuff's never too expensive. <clears throat> um, even some of their, like, their bigger stuff, like the... Like, was it the Boont Barrel? Yeah, the Ball Hollerin, whatever they their mm-hmm. line is. Uh, I found this it's out. It's reasonably priced. I found this out about Anderson Valley that uh, I don't want to drink really anything they brew aside from their Wild Turkey line. Because those are so well done. The other beers, they're good, but there's nothing that really stands out too crazy about them. Like, the, you know, they, yeah, they're good drinking beers, and I think that's why they put it at a good price point for people but i'm not actively i actively search them out and now i'm not actively searching them out if that makes no, sense I, I don't think you're wrong for that i mean if it's something i see somewhere i will i will drink and i will try but yeah, yeah. i think yeah if i go to a bar and i see an anderson valley that i haven't heard of and it sounds interesting i'm always i'm always more than welcome to think about getting them if there's nothing else that uh Hits me on the tablet. Yeah, Anderson Valley, name name your beer something easier to say than Hob <laughs> Nielsen <laughs> or huge Hobby wheat Arker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just put on tap at my place, uh, my store. We I brought in the Session Wheat IPA from Big Ditch. Mm. Delicious, really, really good. I always I always steer clear about from the wheats. They don't sit well in my stomach ever. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Sometimes I have I, can have, I have problems with the um, bottle fermented with the yeast in those. Sometimes after I drink a little bit of those, I just feel mm-hmm. wonky. Yeah, I think just with me for like wheat beers, I'm just like, eh, I I don't really. They're not bad, but it's not something that I really need to gravitate towards. I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> nah, I hear you. Uh, something that we do gravitate towards. How about some? News. Yes, some news, John. Uh, big <clears throat> week. Big week in news. Uh, Chris, I, I'm going to yes. ask you, you, you weren't, we weren't able to do a full episode last week, and unfortunately last week we lost. You still did a two-hour not episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because a um, little behind-the-scenes stuff last week, uh, super friend of the show, Janet, uh, also my co-host over at Parks and Rec, was in town, so... Super we, uh, competitor of the show, you mean? 
<laughs> so we took some time to hang out and do a little bit of legwork for the podcast, uh, which just means we went to theme parks uh, and hung out. But I didn't get a chance to actually record last week. Um, so you guys wound up doing the not episode about the unfortunate passing of writer-artist Darwin Cook. As, yeah. w- as well as our top five IPA stouts and all-time beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which as I was listening to like, that part of it, I was like, oh, that it's like a hard decision to try to make as you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to like revisit that and try to come up with mine. Um, but no, I, I love Darwin Cook, and like you guys said, it's DC New Frontier that really put him on the like the map and the radar for us because it's just like his evergreen style of storytelling mm-hmm. that we don't like old comic books. I think this is something that we've kind of come to an agreement about over the past six years of doing the show. We appreciate what old comic books were. We don't necessarily need to read them, but Darwin Cook could tell an updated type of story but harken back to the Golden Age and the Silver Age without having it feel dated. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that really speaks to just his talents as a storyteller, whether it's writing or uh, penciling and artwork. One of my Darwin Cook memories actually goes back to meeting him at a convention. And I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been the one that you and I went to, Paul. Mm-hmm. Like in Toronto, it was like the smaller convention. Yeah, yeah. Because like, he was just sitting there, no line at all, and I had a copy of his DC solo book. And solo was something that um, editor Mark Chiarello put together where it was there to showcase an artist and he could pick whatever writers he wanted to work with. So it was more about the, the work that the writers and artists would put in more than the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he did a Slam Bradley story, and Slam Bradley was one of the side characters in his and Cameron Stewart's Catwoman run, which I'm surprised you guys didn't read because that was great, and I used to have all the trades for it. Well, I, I you know, Chromosology, they did have a sale that day, so I did pick up the first four issues. There, there you go. Um, was the first four Selena's big score, or was it, like, the Catwoman book? Catwoman book. It's, okay, well, um, it's Selena's Catwoman. big score kind of is like the, like the setup for Catwoman, but mm. I think you could read either or, but, um... Digressing, big time. Uh... Slam Bradley is kind of like an ex-police officer, private investigator type character. So when I put down his issue of Solo on it, he actually had Slam on the cover. And I just remember him being like, DC didn't want me to draw him smoking on the cover, so I'm going to fix that. So he (laughs) drew like a little cigarette hanging out of his mouth and then drew like smoke plumes coming (laughs) off of it. And then he signed the book. And that's kind of my first thought when it comes to Darwin Cook now. Is, is that just kind of like gruff, like, DC didn't let me do this, so I'm going to fix every mm-hmm. single copy of this that comes across my table now. And I just think that speaks to him as a creator, that he loves what he did, and even if someone said, like, no, you can't do it that way, he would still find a way. Um, and that's also really what happened with DC New Frontier, because he wanted that to be that prestige format book, and DC was like, no, we don't really do that. Like, it doesn't work. Like, if we're going to do it that way, it has to be at this price point. It has to be like that more solid stock cover. And he was like, whatever. Like, I need this book to just kind of stand on its own and work this way. Um, and guess what? It worked out. Yeah. I mean, they're still selling new versions of it or that new yeah. deluxe hardback. I mean, they just had a new version of it come out 
this year, I believe, or yeah, later, just at the tail end of last year. Editions. They did the New Frontier animated film, mm-hmm. and I think that just speaks more to him too. Is like he he knows how to tell a story, and God, like New Frontier, like you can consistently <laughs> go back to that one. Oh yeah, which is why one of our top ten DC stories. Oh exactly. But yeah, it's um it's sad that he's gone because um, it literally just it happened overnight. Like the the news came out that he was in palliative care uh, for cancer, and then the next morning. Like he had passed, so it's it said that he's gone, but it's fantastic that he left behind such like a great body of work. Um, I think he's going to be one of those comic book creators that people look back on in like the years and decades to come as just like a master storyteller. Oh and yeah, he's going to be one of those names that's always mentioned when it comes to what the comics art form and medium can be. Uh, and he's definitely one of those people that I'm more so now than ever before seeking out all of his stuff to hey i've missed that or i forgot to get that or i didn't know he did that and doing those and finishing those runs because i remember i bought the first couple spirit that he was doing and then just kind of dropped off of that because either i missed a week or i did this so now it's like all right now i need to i feel like i need to kind of complete those or at least get that first arc down yeah, I was going to say, uh, he did the one Catwoman arc. I can't remember the actual title of it, uh, but it was basically Selena and Holly Robinson kind of going on a road trip around the DC universe. I'm trying to find it. Um, I think that might have been one of the Cameron Stewart issues, but or arcs, but yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Paul, I think you'll like it. Yeah. Star, Starman's in it. Well, like the, the old Starman, like Jack Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Starman, Jack Knight. All right. But news. News. News, news, news. Chris, you had a lot of stuff, so let's... Oh, uh, I, I had a decent amount of things. Um, most notably, this is something that kind of affected me as not just a fan of Marvel and Disney, but also just a fan of the, uh, these TV shows. But it was announced at the DC... Um, earnings call that they have canceled Agent Carter. Well, you mean the Marvel's, Marvel's, uh, Disney's. You said DC. Yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Did I say? You said DC's earnings call, and I'm like, okay, now I, I got confused by which television news you were going with. So, yeah. di- Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my beer. It's okay. Um, <laughs> no, Disney. Okay. Uh, ABC, not going ahead with any more Agent Carter, uh, The Muppets, or the other show that they announced taking place in the Marvel Universe, uh, Most Wanted. Yeah. Uh, Agent, yeah, yeah, Shield's most wanted, or Agents of Shield most wanted, which was going to focus on uh, is uh, Lance Hunter and Bobby Morris. Which mm-hmm. I love those characters in the show. Um, honestly, I don't know how I would feel about them having their own show. I think it would be really good, but this is something that I was talking about before. And I don't remember who was on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I know these episodes are really expensive for Disney and ABC to make because just the talent and the special effects that they put in, I'd be okay with them just doing, instead of like 22 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D., do six episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D., six episodes of Agent Carter, six episodes of Most Wanted, or whatever yeah. whatever else they want to work on, you know? And take out all that filler that they don't need, just have each one be like a mini-series event. 
Uh, you're talking from a Doctor Who fan perspective, you know. Well, I, I, Not only that, it but works. it does work. It's the it's what's working on. It's the reason. Netflix. Well, not not just Netflix, but the reason why AMC is, is has all these great shows because they're not doing huge huge series. They're doing boiled down. Hey, twelve episodes. Boom. Mm-hmm. Hey, this. Boom. And people are clamoring for it. They love it because they're giving their best work instead of having to spread out their best work mm-hmm. in a huge giant arc that's going to last five six episodes to then pay off because they need to fill time. So no, I th- I think this is something that you and I, Chris, we've and Paul, we've talked about yeah. before. But also, you guys, you guys weren't fans of Agent Carter, but I really did enjoy that show. Um, well, I never uh, got around to seeing it because it hasn't hit Netflix. I enjoyed the first season. The second season, I couldn't get into. Um, but again, about the having the spinoff show with Bobby Morris and everything. Mm-hmm. They talked about that last season too. At the end of last season mm-hmm. of Shield. It was talked about spinning that off instead of doing Agent Shield. Agent Carter. Agent Carter. There's no Agent Shield. There's no. There's, there's no Agent Shield. <laughs> there is Agents of Shield. Yes. Um, but they were talking about doing that instead of bringing back Agent Carter, mm-hmm. and then they decided on Agent Carter and not doing the other show. So it's definitely interesting to where it's all gonna go and tie in. I'm glad that Shield's still still kicking. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm still enjoying Shield. I haven't finished this season yet. Um, I've got like the last two episodes on my DVR to watch, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I understand them not going ahead with these other shows when they do have more stuff in development, like Cloak and Dagger over at uh, ABC Freeform. Like, and then there was that other one about like like damage control or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, that they're working on too. So. You know what? We got two seasons of Agent Carter. I, I think that's a great standalone story. Like, if they went back and did more, I would love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it it was good enough on its own as it was. Like, they don't have to keep heading back to that well. I guess. I, I'm excited for the other side of the well. Now, not even other side of the street, other side of the country with DC Entertainment's shakeup with uh, C, uh, CBS not renewing. Supergirl and CW being like, yeah, we we're half owned by CBS anyways. We're we're just going to be uh, bringing it back for season uh, two anyways. I think uh, CBS said that they were they were willing to pick up the second season, but everyone decided that it was going to work better mm-hmm. over at CW than it did on. Yeah, they're also moving their yeah, production. I, I, from... I saw that too because they said like if the deal didn't go ahead with moving over to CW, they they would have done mm-hmm. season two. Uh, they're moving their production from Los Angeles up to Vancouver, Canada. So there's that to the save my money. The Flash, and Green the... Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow because all <laughs> of those are filmed up there as well. Yep. So it it, it saves them a lot of money uh, just to get out of the <clears throat> get out of the country. <laughs> get get out of. Uh... It's like the Burger King Tim Hortons deal all over again, guys. It's horrible. You know, they're avoiding American taxes. Uh, no, it's it's actually a lot cheaper because uh, tra- the Canadian government gives them a lot of tax breaks, and also you're not competing with shutting down streets in Los Angeles. You're shutting down streets in Canada where only, like, 12 people live. Well, I'm pretty sure that's a fact. Well, people live up there, but nobody really lives in Vancouver because it's so expensive. It is super expensive to live in Vancouver. You either live in Toronto or you live in Vancouver, 
and then it, politicians live in Ottawa. That's all I know really, about Canada. It's really weird to say this, but I think I'm looking a little bit more forward to Supergirl now that's going to be part of that CW family. Uh, mm-hmm. The episodes of Supergirl that I did watch, I enjoyed, but it wasn't something that I had to. Mm-hmm. But now the fact that it'll be kind of tied in a little bit more to everything else on the shows that I love, oh, give me, I, I, that, that's what's going to do it for me, I think. Give me more Melissa and Grant just hanging out. Just, yeah. You know, uh, Flash, you know, the girl that plays uh, uh, Supergirl, Supergirl and uh, Barry Allen, the guy that plays Barry Allen. Uh, just give me them hanging out, just getting coffee. Just they they were adorable together on that show on that ep- that crossover episode and just more yeah, of that. I like that, that episode was great. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, so good. So yeah, I'm excited. They already came out and had an announcement. They're like, yeah, we don't know how we're doing it yet, but we're yeah crossing all four of them over this season. We're gonna write it up. It might they can, be a, they can make it happen. The episode could be a train wreck because honestly, that episode of Supergirl, like the whole like two villains, like it was shit. But just the character moments made it work, you know? I, don't know I, I think they can handle multiple villains and multiple characters over on the CW side of things. Right. I mean, Legends of Tomorrow, great proof of that. You still liking it? I Yeah, I'm still really digging it. I need to watch the finale. I watched like all the lead-up episodes last night because I've just been so busy with work and then like doing volunteer events that I haven't had a chance to watch all my shows. Um, but yeah. I, I let's just tomorrow really enjoying it. Uh, I am not really. Uh, I've totally dropped off after the Jonah Hex episode when Jonah Hex looked awesome, but could not keep uh, the same voice in every scene. Where he sometimes he's talking like this, and then he's talking like this, and then he's calling out God an accent like that. It was took me so out of the show and then the end when the robot guys show up and it was like two second long fight and then future wife looks over at me and it's like do we have to keep watching this and i said no we don't like i really it was a struggle the two episodes before that and i'm i'm done on dc i kind of want to watch the episode where booster gold's supposed to come in but i don't you don't want to wreck Booster Gold for yourself? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, that one isn't on Netflix yet, so I haven't seen it. <laughs> That's okay, because you know I'll keep watching it, because yeah. I, I dig it a lot. Cool. All right. Um, more news. There's so much more news, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, since we're talking about DC shows, why don't we talk about the new DC logo that we're going to be getting oh, yeah. with uh, yeah. DC what? Rebirth. It's good. It's uh, classic. <laughs> Sorry, getting back to uh, it reminds me of the bullet. You know what? Give me that like that thing that looked like a stamp with the stars around yeah. it with DC. This is this is closer to it than what we get with the foldover. So, yeah, yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of the foldover logo when they debuted that a couple years ago. Um, the reasoning for that one is basically just like, well, it looked good on an app kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the new DC logo, I mean, it looks very much like old school. Like, I want to say like they used that one kind of more in like the nineteen like seventies, nineteen eighties. It's nineteen seventy four is probably the closest, or nineteen seventy two, because it's that same. It's that blocking that block letter. 
I just I I honestly didn't mind the uh, updated DC logo that they came out with for Infinite Crisis, like 2005, the uh, yeah, one with like the, the star. Swirl. Yeah, the swirl with the star on the bottom corner. I yeah, got a I, picture. I like that one. Up. And I mean, I know like people's big complaint about that one is it looked like it belonged on a soapbox, but I don't know. I I think it worked. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind that one either. Um, I didn't mind the fold-over one. I wasn't a fan of it when it first arrived, and I thought, oh, yeah, different colors for different books. Okay, who would know that besides someone who just read the article that said that's what mm-hmm. the colors stand for? Um, but this just seems... They had one for... They had a special color one just for the after the Watchmen, though, too. <laughs> Where it was the yellow, it was just uh, the sea was yellow, and it had that one thing of blood on it, and it's like, all right, yeah, that's you're losing the thread of oh, we're keeping them all in the family. Well, you can still do that, but you know, just have, uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I do like my favorite is still the one from 1976, the DC with the four stars around it. Yeah, the one we. We started reading DC Comics. The one we yeah. grew up with, you know? Yeah. 2005 yeah. wasn't that bad with the DC swoosh. The bullet, swoosh. not the stamp. Yeah. DC. I agree. I don't know. I, I understand, like, hey, they're heading into Reboot. They're, they're doing something new. Like, why not showcase it with the new logo? Kind of hearkening back to the original stuff. But, yeah, it's, I don't think it needs like to it. be there. I lo- you know, I, it, it's kind of collegiate in a way that I kind of like. I don't know. I like it. Hey, I mean that's good. For, good for you, Paul. I mean, like everybody's got their own taste, so that's it's fine mm-hmm. that you like it. Um, Ooh, yeah. there's a 3D version. Ooh. Ooh. it's shiny. Uh. <laughs> well, because it's also owned by Warner Brothers, right? And what's Warner Brothers logo? Just Shine. WB. The, the shield. The Shine. shield. Shiny. Yeah, but it's also just block letter WB in a shield, right? So. Yeah, but they've had the same logo for like 80 years now. Like, they're not messing with it. They've uh, they messed with it a little bit here and there. I think they've updated it. Like, mm-hmm. But it's still basically the same logo, I think. Fairly much, yeah. But w- hey, talking about logos and titles for things, uh, have you guys seen the rumored title for Episode 8? Oh, man. This is Star Wars news, of course. I I don't want to fall for anything. I know. Uh, Maybe spoilers. uh, Who knows? But uh, so far, the rumored title for episode number eight is Fall of the Resistance. And this is coming from a video that someone shot as uh, everyone's getting ready for the Star Wars celebration this year. Wow. Um, It does have... They took like a video of a poster that had it on there, and it does have the official Star Wars Celebration logo on the very bottom of it. So people are thinking that this is going to be kind of legit. And then it also does fall in line with, so far, what everyone's been saying from the cast about shooting episode number eight so far, where it's a much darker tone, as Star Wars is want to do with stuff like Empire Strikes Back. Do you think then episode nine is like Return of the Republic? Something's going to be rising, or returning mm. like jedi but not return of the jedi <laughs> now yeah it, it's rumors you know i got caught by a bunch of them like oh the opening crawl got leaked online and it was uh you're a big idiot for yeah, reading this yeah pretty much it was first order problems dude 
Luke Skywalkers can't even right now. And it's like, oh. I, I think it's a while out before yeah. we find out what the crawl's going to be. And also, the the thing with the title, it can change, like, up to... Like, they changed... Remember, it was Revenge of the Sith. Or Revenge of the Jedi. Up until, like, George Lucas woke up one morning. It's like, you know what? Uh, Jedi's aren't really into that vengeance, so... Uh, I- Return. I think with everything we've learned Return. about George Lucas over the years, someone yeah. probably just came to him and was like, uh, really? Revenge? Mm-hmm. They're vengeful? No, no, you're right, you're right. It was after someone you're tapped right. him on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, okay. George. I guess. Yeah. You gotta tell George when he's being silly. And then he just remembered it his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be, uh, yeah. I'm, I think I'd be cool with just about any, any title. For Star Wars after uh, Force Awakens, like yeah, you got me. I'm I'm sold. I'm I there. I watched that last week. And it's so good. It's fun. Uh, speaking of Star Wars news, I sent you guys a message about this. Uh, Ooh. 2017 Star Wars celebration. It's taking place in Orlando. Ooh, oh, at the uh, Orlando Convention Center, like right by Universal Studios, by my apartment. So, yeah, something to think about. What what day again? Um, it's. Near. They don't have the actual dates for it yet. I think it's going to be sometime in April 2017. Mm. So you're more than a year out for Star Wars Celebration. Or less than a year out. If it's April, because we're in May now. Whatever. Well, yeah. it's, like, it's like a year away, Paul. Okay. Don't well, nitpick. I'm not. I'm just, I got to, when we're talking about time and getting places, I got to start budgeting. Right then. <laughs> I gotta well, make we also sure. need to budget for beer and or comic books. That's very true. So uh, let's take a quick pause because we got to run and get another beer. Yeah, I didn't know what we were, we had more beer or what. Oh, we there's always beer flows. I, I spent eighty six dollars on beer yesterday, so I can I can go for days. <laughs> All right, let's let you go for days. So, what are you, are you guys doing that IPA next or? No, we uh, did the IPA. Founders? We might do the Founders Brown. Yeah, let's do okay, the Founders Brown. They did have that at my store, so I bought a bottle of that just to have on the mm. side. Nice. Well, you had it last time, so I figured I did. we'd so have I it. I might just time. do something fresh. So yeah, I will be back. Different. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> and we're back just like we said we would be. And we're back with the list, the books of of comic books that we're looking forward to coming out. When, John? The 25th of May, 2016. I'm very excited to listen to what John, Chris, has to say about his book. I'm confused. I know. I, we haven't John, done that in a who's while. Who's John, Chris? Is that the new host? I'm very excited, John, to hear what Chris has to say about his book. Ah, well, I am looking forward to Captain America, Steve Rogers, number one. Mm. This is being written by Nick Spencer, one of my favorite writers over at Marvel's Ant-Man. With our art by Jesus Saiz, um, Steve Rogers is back like we knew he would be. Uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's no he, longer uh, old. He's, he's no longer old. He's a young guy again. Um, he's got a new he's shield. Back, he's back as Captain America. And this is something that I'm kind of looking forward to because, hey, it's being written by Nick Spencer, and I really love everything that's been happening over in Ant-Man. And I feel like I may have been missing the boat because Nick Spencer's also been writing the Sam Wilson Captain America book. Uh, hmm. So I might make the jump over onto that just to check it out. We'll see how it is. I might I might submit it for look back this month. But uh, yeah, Captain America. Captain America's like 75th anniversary, everybody. Hey, happy birthday, Cap. 
You have Happy a movie birthday. and a comic book again. Happy birthday. He he looks good for being over 75. He, he looks good. Um, He's got a new costume. I like it. I'm not a big fan of the shield. Like It looks kind of more like the original like tri-corner shield without mm-hmm. the stripes and the stars. It's like a combination of new and old. I don't know. I don't mind it, though. I'm not going to fanboy gripe and be like, oh, Shield's not what I want it to be, so I'm going to hate this book. No, it's it's cool. I like it. You're back, Cap. Welcome back. That? John. Hi, hi, I'm John. You're probably looking forward to a book. Yes, I am looking... I want to hear about Paul's first, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, you guys. It's, uh... it's a thing we do now, sorry. No, it's a thing, <laughs> we've, thing we've done always in the done. And we haven't done it in a while. Uh, I'm looking but forward... We're, we're just talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Batgirl 52. Uh, this is a series that I've been on again, off again on, and this is the wrap-up because, you know, John's book is coming out this this week as well. Uh, DC Universe is going to be completely redone. They're having a rebirth, and this is going to wrap up uh, Batgirl in, at Burnside. And uh, she's going to take her adventures uh, to, I guess, to... to uh, my Miami, is that where she's going? Oh, that's where Ant Man is. They could be friends. Oh no, 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 no! She's not taking her talents to uh, to Miami. That's that's a sports reference. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, sorry. Uh, Why would you do that to us? Because uh, she says it's going to sports it, reference. It might. What t- the hell? <laughs> her adventures will be, and they might be, uh, take her all over the world. So, world traveler, Batgirl now. Yeah. Study, dun, 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 abro- study abroad dun. program for, for Batgirl. It, it's no surprise. Uh, we've really enjoyed Batgirl this past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since Babs Tire and Cam Stewart came out of this book, it's it's been really good. I honestly fell off of it after I found out that DC was doing their rebirth and that this team wasn't going to be on Batgirl anymore. Well, they, we I kind of fell off when Brandon Fletcher took over writing full-time on it, and yeah, this is this is that swan song goodbye issue that I always enjoy. So, but it's it's not Babs Tar on it though. Uh, Babs Tar is doing the cover art. Yeah, El- Eleanor Carlini is doing the interior. But and ultimately, like that's what made me kind of fall away from it. And mm-hmm. you know, no offense to Cameron Stewart because I've been liking the story. Or to I'm sorry, I'm Brandon Fletcher. The name you just said Brandon uh, Fletcher doing the oh no, Eleanor uh, uh, color. Yeah, I I I don't know your work. I'm sorry that I I won't see it because um, I know like Babstar really sold me on this Batgirl, right? You know, mm-hmm. the the, uh, the the actual like looked like she went to a store and was able to put her costume together, Batgirl. Yeah, yeah. I I, I love that run. Um, it's going to be something that I always look back at as something fond for whenever we do our second part of the top ten DC stories. Batgirl might be on it. Hmm. Interesting. We revisit, but uh, John, we're revisiting a crisis over at DC, right? Or is it? Is it my your... turn? Yes, it is your turn. Are we Why? sure? Yeah. Hey, we did not talk about World of Warcraft at all. So you oh, can keep you paying did. attention. Oh, World of Warcraft. <laughs> coming out at the end of August. I know uh, it sounds exciting. I'm I'm very excited to uh, maybe get back. Let me know when you get back into it, so that way okay, I can jump uh, in and start playing with you. Let me jump in my you. time machine, provided by Rip Hunter, who 
John doesn't like it anymore, and I will go back and let you know a couple weeks ago. What? Yeah. Oh, come on, Chris. You know I was... Hey, it's, it's okay. Um, I thought I we had to start, deal. Can always start a new character, Paul. Uh. There's so many classes I haven't played yet. But yeah, uh, sidebar for the news. If you have ever played World of Warcraft, uh, you still have your account. Wizard or not Wizards, oh my god. I'm trying to log I, into my Blizzard account right now. I'm, I'm thinking about Magic the Gathering because I said Wizards. Uh, Blizzard mm-hmm. is upgrading you to have all of the past content up to up to date. So you'll have every expansion pack. So Warlords of Draenor, Cataclysm, Issa Pandaria. You got you got all of them just to get you to come back for Legion. Hmm. Well, maybe John. later on I will pick that up. I am looking forward to... Playing World of Warcraft with Paul and I? Cool. Yes. Uh, DC Rebirth, number one. Uh, writer Written by Jeff Johns. Art by Gary Frank and various artists. Uh, and this is relaunching the DC universe in a way that we hope uh, excites us again for DC. Mm-hmm. I've totally dropped off of almost every single DC book. Um, picking up more Marvel than DC, uh, it almost feels like a crime for me because I was so in yeah. love with DC. Um, but this is kicking off the rebirth. Um, I I would be fine without just like a book that ties in the rebirth and just saying like here, like mm-hmm. we just read here's the bullet books. points. We just read the book. But uh, what's really nice about this book two ninety nine. Yep. Yeah, not bad. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I'll pick that up. And as long as uh, the other books are cheap, I probably will test the waters a little bit more because I've been finding it really hard in the last couple months to find books. Yeah. That you want to spend well, four ninety nine over at Marvel on. Yeah. Uh, and it's been it's been getting tough, and it's... Me getting to the point where like I'm not just gonna waste my money on anything now, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. give me something good, or I'm just gonna go back and start reading back issues of things that I do really like. And okay, you know what? Hey, I have all those Flash issues from Jeff Johns <laughs> uh, in my basement, but you know what's easier than digging those out? Just buying them again oh, <laughs> digitally because they're probably pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Rebirth, get, bring it. Man, bring me back, bring me back to being a DC fan. Yeah, and you sound like you have soured on paying that much money for comics. Before before we try to jump out, I'm really looking forward to Rebirth. Um, I've seen a few interviews with Jeff Johns now, where he's super amped to be bringing back the light and the legacy to the DC universe with Rebirth. And it's like, hey, where were you like four years ago? <laughs> When yeah. the new Fifty Two happened, like we we could have used someone there being like, "Hey, chief creative we, officer, we we can do something new, but let's not throw everything to the side because that's what everyone's biggest complaint was. Like everything that DC had built and drew from was now basically just thrown out with the bathwater. Yeah, because they where want- were you, Jeff Johns? He was very excited to be working with the woman that. Did the Harry Potter movies. He was really excited you, to be doing Justice League with uh, Jim uh, Jim Lee. Yeah, Jeff, we loved you. We we named our annual awards the Johnsies after you. <laughs> it's true. 
We haven't done those in a while, have we? We just did it like a couple months ago. Yeah. December. We had the Johnsies. Yeah. Yeah, when when our uh, we do our annual look back. Mm. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And Mm -hmm. and everything coming out of it uh, has piqued my interest. I'm looking forward to a lot of it. And hey, two ninety nine for uh Jeff Johnson, Gary Frank, like that's that's awesome because isn't this page uh, like eighty pages or something? Yeah, something huge like that. I don't, um, doesn't exactly say how many pages on mm. the solicitation that I have, but well, what we can look forward to is drinking this beer or a dramatic reading. I always forget which ones. What order do we? I want? think we can do it at any because it doesn't matter with us. And we argue about it, and then we do the other that we always say that we always do. So, okay, <laughs> let's do a beer. Let's do oh. a beer. And now a dramatic. Oh. Ah. <laughs> so beer, Chris. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a beer from Abita, one of the makers of my favorite beers, uh, Purple Haze. Like that's going to be on my top ten beer list. It's just so drinkable and tasty. And this is their Bourbon Street Coffee Stout. Hmm. This is a coffee stuff that has been aged 100% in bourbon barrels. Um, is this their first pecan one, or is this a different no, this, one? This is new. Just, okay. Yeah, this is a coffee stout aged in bourbon barrels. I hadn't seen it before, um, so I figured I do enjoy the uh, Purple Haze. Mm-hmm. I like their strawberry pecan one that they have at summertime. Like It's oddly refreshing. So I figured I would give this one a shot. Uh, first sip, it was a lot of just like black coffee up front and I was like did they really even do anything with the bourbon barrels or did they just kind of look at it as they were bottling this one um, after getting a little bit deeper into it though I do have more of that bourbon taste um, it's not that nice kind of vanilla that you get from something like the Anderson Valley bur- uh, bourbon barrel mm-hmm. but this this is a suitable replacement uh, if you can't find Anderson Valley it's not bad uh, uh, it's not going to make my list of favorite bourbon barrel stouts, but it, it's it's a good showing, especially from a brewery like Abita that's you know not known for like doing anything like big or crazy. The um, the last couple of years they've been doing this Bourbon Street line, and I've gotten I think two, maybe three of them, um, and they're never like bad, but there's never been anything really stand out about them. Um, too much. Uh, so much of the so, like I mean, the price point really makes it that okay. I didn't spend that much to get this beer. Um, I probably would be a little more inclined to grab in the coffee because I think that coffee roastedness always holds up great with uh, verbal barrel aging. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that you you know you liked it. Yeah, it, it's good. Um, I might show this a little bit more. I mean, obviously drinking at room temperature, it's not bad. Um. But yeah, I, I can't remember how much this was. I think it was maybe like 11 So it, it's a little bit more than you can find the bourbon barrel stuff for, but yeah, tasty. Mm. And Paul, what are we drinking here? We are drinking, because uh, you're a sourhead, uh, a great divide. <laughs> you're a sourhead. <laughs> you're a sourhead. Uh, this is the Great Divide uh, American Sour Ale. This is their 21st anniversary ale. Uh, Great Divide, we usually love because of the Yeti series. 
And uh, I picked this up a while ago. I don't exactly remember when, but it was bottled on June 29th, 2015. And we went downstairs to pick up a different beer, and I'm like, you know what? We should probably drink this. Uh, yeah, and this was aged. This is uh, nine months in wine barrels. Yeah, in white wine barrels. Um, tasting it, I wasn't like super thrilled. But then reading the little bit of description about it, seeing that it was aged um, mm-hmm. for nine months in wine barrels, I take that next sip and I'm like, okay, white yeah. wine, apple pie. Okay, this isn't again. Chewy. This probably w- wasn't really meant to be cellared. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> Accidentally. There's not a lot of sour to it, but mm-hmm. if you think like white wine, apple pie, you get those flavors. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It's enjoyable. It's only like 6%. So I want to want uh, – you like more sours than I do. I want to want it to be much – my sours, I don't want much more sour than this. Mm. See, I could – I would want it a lot yeah. tarter. Yeah. But You're this is nice. This is – I don't – I wouldn't call this a sour anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be. But it's it's enjoyable. An ale wine. Right? Like a wheat wine or something. Freaking sour ale. It, it's uh, 6.2 alcohol by volume. And, uh, yeah, I don't. it doesn't say what it, what it was made from the ale. So, no. But it says pairs well with a ham sandwich. And I'm like, yes, it I would. I like ham sandwiches. I love myself a ham sandwich. You know what else I love? Dramatic, Dramatic readings. readings. And now... Bagden Broadcast presents a dramatic reading from Justice League New Frontier Special, number one, page one, panel five. The truth is there are infinite worlds out there, and every or dozens more spring to life. The scientific term we use to describe the state is fiction. And that was a dramatic reading from Justice League New Frontier Special, number one. Page one, panel five. Hey, and that was Rip Hunter, everybody. I didn't know what character that was because I saw the pipe. I thought it was I a. Figured s- it had to be someone a little bit older, but is that a pipe or a? Oh, that's a gun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was no, a it was, stick. He, no, he's got a he's got a gun, but he's got a pipe in his mouth. Oh, a pipe in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rip Hunter explaining DC comic books and what state they are in because they're constantly in a state of flux but we're not talking about the dc (laughs) fictional world anymore hence hence reaver (laughs) yep (laughs) we are talking about marvel comic books oh so many great storylines you know so so many great big crossover event books you know you got your uh you know uh secret wars and then again you have your secret wars and then uh, you have secret wars 2 you got you got all of the wars, Civil War. You got the Civil War, Civil War Two. You got the Secret Invasion. We, yeah, Secret. We're, we're probably about like five years out from Secret Invasion Number Two coming up. Though. Yeah, that's true. We got Ragnarok, or not Ragnarok, but the uh, Siege. Siege, Fear itself. Oh, how are House of M? House of M. No more mutants. All of that. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of books. A lot, a lot of, books. of stories. Mm-hmm. Dark None Avengers. Of those made the list. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. So don't if you're looking for the grand uh, crossovering crossovering arcing stories. Uh, yeah, we, we we find ourselves not big fans. You know, Age of Apocalypse, Age of Extinction. Uh, what was the one where Magneto and Charles Xavier's heads merged and created the onslaught? Onslaught. Age of Didn't onslaught. Franklin Richards wasn't he part of that too? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, we're, I guess we're not the biggest fans of those kind of stories, guys, huh? No, honestly, like, I tend to appreciate the DC ones a little bit more. No, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely agree. It's I think what works well with the Marvel books is when they're more focused on a couple members of the team or that one person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think those are the ones that we all kind of gravitate more when they have more of that kind of human characteristics brought out of those characters when there's a bit of drama that those people are it feels like they're really dealing with yeah they're dealing with it not just react you should reacting to it by punching something yeah like which is usually what happens in the war books (laughs) (laughs) or the crossover books uh and i think uh one of the books that kind of highlight and especially and this is our number 10 uh that should kind of showcase where Marvel is now versus where it was. Because back in 2004, we had this, it was the start of the Bendis age over at Marvel, you know, uh, really taking over. This was when he was first took over uh, the Avengers book. So he was laying all the, all the work, all the foundation down for uh, Civil War, for his uh, secret invasion. And also then Avengers Disassembled, which uh, starts that following year his new Avengers. So this is where Marvel decided to take their books into that darker, just everything's going to be crossing over all the story, all the monthly books are going to be important and they're going to tie into this big plan, except for one little book that was written by Dan Slott, who would later become the Spider-Man guy (laughs) over for uh, Marvel. And that is uh, She-Hulk. The first trade came out in back in 2004. And this was a, it's called single green female single green female and this basically has she hulk uh not a part of the avengers anymore and really trying to focus on her jennifer walters uh persona as a lawyer but she can only really get jobs being lawyers for superheroes and she's the lawyer for the thing in this first arc and uh having to balance that and also being cool and really having fun being She-Hulk. So she goes, she's going out to the bars. She's having fun drinking as She-Hulk this and is waking the, up as Jennifer Walters. This is the She-Hulk that has to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not kicked out of mom and dad's house. She's kicked out of the Avengers mansion where she has to try to make her way and finds that it's not this big booming personality that she's been showcasing for so many years, but that inner person, that mm-hmm. knowledgeable lawyer who has to then bring home the bacon who, no, it's, it's not that other side of you that people are finding important, mm-hmm. but the side that can help people and helping, um, oh, I can't think of that superhero's name, like that nuclear man or whatever, okay. yeah. uh, which was one of her first cases. Uh, you know, yeah, it's something that, I think kind of brings forth some of those other big books that we love. It's kind of the beginning of like the Hawkeye or the Howard, the duck, those kind of books. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I definitely see, see that. And this is one of those books that like, I think Chris got me for my birthday or Christmas and he handed Mm -hmm. it to me and I was like, she Hulk. And then I read it and I was like, she Hulk. That's how I started reading it too, because Chris, you know, because I really liked the thing that Dan Slott uh, did, and then Chris is like, "Oh, well, you'll like this. Here, have this." Well, so, I, I don't know if either of you have read uh, Civil War Two Number Zero. Oh I no! Think, um, I picked up last week. I figured we could do it for a look back. Uh huh. But 
that starts off with She-Hulk being a defense attorney mm-hmm. for an ex-supervillain. Mm. So I think that's something that's always going to be at the core of her character, whether you're reading something like She-Hulk or Avengers or like Civil War or even now A-Force, where she's focused more on <laughs> the uh, superhero wing. At the core of that character, that's kind of the right or wrong viewpoint comes directly from that. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think this is a good showcase for it. Yeah, and I just because of that time, this this basically is that underground. This was the underground Marvel book of, of its time. This is, and from here, I really see the through line to get everywhere else. So, uh, two of the books that we will probably be talking about later on in the list. Uh, oh, guys, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Who wants to start off this book? I, I think we should do roundtable, right? Like. Uh, well, uh, okay, I'll do. Uh, we are doing Astonishing X Men. This is uh, that volume one, issues like one through six from Joss Whedon and John Cassaday. Gifted, gifted. Um, and this is one of those things that I'd always kind of loved X Men books mm-hmm. and wasn't keeping up on everything that was happening. But I knew the history. I knew that oh. Colossus went bad. Colossus then gave his life for the mutant virus and all of that. And this book brought me back into my love of <laughs> X-Men. And, uh, Chris, I think this is also when you started going like, well, I got to buy every X-Men book that's out there. And we're buying them all. But this is that book that, uh, yeah, written by Joss Whedon, who <laughs> just fallen in love with Firefly and books like that. Yeah, this was yeah. actually like a big jumping on point because since they had Joss Whedon coming on to Astonishing X-Men, they were doing almost like a little mini X-Men renaissance where they were not relaunching everything, but kind of giving that renewed focus on that corner of the Marvel Universe. And being a Joss Whedon fan from stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Firefly, having a comic book fan writing on a comic book that I really hadn't read in a little while because I fell off of X-Men shortly after we got back into comics. It was a that was the kind of like kick in the shin that I needed to go back to X-Men. And I think this was a really good arc. Um, this was him putting more of the focus on them being superheroes taking it away from the school kind of like we had with Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, much like people had that love of Grant Morrison being like, wow, he made the X-Men back into a school. What I've learned about X-Men is it's the constant like switching of gears from like, hey, no, they're at a school. Now they're superheroes. Now they're at a school. Now they're superheroes mm-hmm. again. Um, see later on down the list for maybe more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's ultimately like what made me drop this off of my list because I think I like the X-Men more as a school. But this first um, first arc here actually was just great at setting up these characters that I honestly didn't care for a lot of the core of this team. Hmm. I mean, you have Cyclops, who's awesome. Queen. Cyclops is okay, he's give or take. <laughs> like Wolverine, but then it was like the hook with Shadowcat. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, like why not? And then the issue starts off with Kitty Pride coming back to the school, and that's all. Ultimately, it was made mm-hmm. me more of a fan of it. 
Yeah, yeah she was the she was perspective for where the readers should have been. You need to be, which is you. We were coming home to the X Men, just like she was coming home to the X Men. Exactly, and even in like a book down the road, you're doing the same thing where you're following her. She's a great yeah entry level for you getting into the X-Men, a lot like Jubilee was in the X-Men animated yeah. series. Or how she was in uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, where Dying she just, it. you know... <laughs> Stop bringing that up, Paul. It's not on the list. <laughs> she uh, points out how groovy of a chick Storm was. Yeah, she definitely was totally and, into... And how neat uh, Peter seemed to be. And he was so hunkingly hot. As they're down at the show to stop shop having a malt that, during hey. the 80s. <laughs> so 80s. Nobody goes to a soda shop during the 80s. We have we have a Sashing X-Men uh, gifted, like the first mm-hmm. arc, one through six, on the list here. I, I think it did a lot of great stuff in setting up X-Men for the future. Um, mm-hmm. A big part of this spitting off into the third X-Men movie with The Cure with Dr. Kavita Rao. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff was lifted and then put into like the public pop culture from this arc. And I think that's great. And I think this makes the list because it's one of our favorite like nerd heroes with Joss Whedon coming to a book that we always want to like. Yeah. And, and, and making it so we can like it again. Mm-hmm. And he brought back Colossus. I love Colossus. Yeah. And even some of like the ancillary stuff that doesn't really get like the focus so much, like um, the creation of sword mm-hmm. um, between beast, beast and the actually doing stuff brand. and being smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there, there was a lot of stuff in this book that I really enjoyed. Some of it may have been overshadowed by some other stuff um, that I really didn't care for too much. But yeah, the, this wouldn't be in my top five. Marvel stories of all time, but it would probably be in my top five X-Men stories. And this is the reason why I really was hard of pushing this to be on our list is because this is one of those X-Men stories you can just pass off to anybody and they'll get a clue to the relationships between all these characters. And it's a great drama. It is a great, like, if you want a first X-Men book, I don't think you can do wrong by this, you know, as a first X-Men book. Yeah. Go ahead and read Joss Whedon's run and if you don't like that, because they start off with you know, being superheroes, then they bring in all the weird space stuff, and also they bring in the weird like sci-fi stuff with uh, the danger room as well. So it runs the gambit of the kind of the crazy ideas, plus, uh, but without going so far afield and so crazy like we might get later on. Definitely. Talking about the uh, first books you know something that you would pass off to somebody to be the their first story i think number eight uh kind of is that same kind of uh in that motif yeah and i don't think this would be a top 10 marvel stories if we didn't have at least one spider-man book on here mm-hmm. and this was something that i kind of championed a little bit and i'm glad you guys kind of agreed on it but this is ultimate spider-man number one through seven power and responsibility uh the reason I picked Ultimate Spider-Man and not something from the Marvel 616 Spider-Man is because I think this is probably one of the best tellings of the Spider-Man story. It's very accessible being like the launching point of the entire Ultimate Marvel Universe that we had in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But it's also the most up-to-date and kind of relatable. Um, 
when you go back and read some of those earlier Spider-Man books, they definitely feel a little bit more dated. So seeing Peter Parker today, and I say today, speaking back to 15 years mm-hmm. ago, but it, would, it <laughs> but it would still fit. Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're not so far removed from it that it would seem out of time. Like, it works. And Paul, your biggest complaint was like it takes him four issues to become Spider-Man. Yeah. And at the time where I was reading this, I picked it up in trade. I didn't mind that too much because the story was so engrossing seeing him with Aunt May, seeing mm-hmm. him alongside, you know, um, Harry Osborne going to school. Like it set the tone so well that I didn't mind the fact that he wasn't Spider-Man yet. Uh, and yeah. th- this was a huge, huge run. Like even after the ultimate universe kind of collapsed on itself, people are still like, Oh, well, ultimate Spider-Man's pretty good though. Mm-hmm. And he's, they brought him into the 616 with Miles Morales. They, they were able to not only introduce Peter Parker, but also then kill off Peter Parker and do it in such a way that fans didn't revolt and go crazy. People stuck with the book. It was one of the highest-selling Marvel books. Uh, as someone, for me, I grew up with Spider-Man in my house. Mm-hmm. I had a subscription to Spider-Man comic books before I could even read like, it was one of those things that was always in the house. I would just look at the pictures. But, you know, we had, like, three long boxes that my dad kept in his room because he was worried I was going to ruin them. And I did draw on some of them. Um, you got to. You got to. But it was something I always had that growing up in the house. And when this book came out, I had just, you know, Chris and I, Paul, mm-hmm. we had all just graduated from high school. Then you go in and you start reading this book and it's from that teenager point of view. It's from the point of view that I was just two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it fit. Like, everything I knew about Spider-Man, all those books I had read, it takes those in mind, and it gives you this fresh kind of response to it. And you can, I could connect with it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things that when a friend of mine had said, or, you know, a friend of mine, a person I had worked with, Said I was trying to get my, you know, my son who's around this age into comic books. I remember saying Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's a great jumping-on point. It fits for someone who's a kid, and it did work so well with it being a real teenager and feeling like a teenager mm-hmm. in that book. And it was something that someone who grew up reading and looking at Spider-Man books, you know, that history. And it didn't change that history to a huge degree. It just allowed it to fit into the story of this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't until later where they kind of did like the radical shift with things. Um, so you could probably read like the first three trade paperbacks of Ultimate Spider-Man before you have like a difference in the actual like where the story went to. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I mean, like, aside from, like, Osborne actually, like, kind of becoming that goblin creature, it probably, the biggest difference was, like, I think, like, volume six or something when uh, Venom and Eddie Brock yeah. come into yeah, the yeah, picture. They bring in Venom a lot earlier. And then same thing with Carnage, too. And then it's, like, Carnage that kills, like, Gwen Stacy. Ooh, Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for a book Spoilers. that came out like 10 years ago. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man. I Even like just talking about it now, I'm kind of like, man, like I wouldn't mind rereading those. 
Um, mm. And this was written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by oh, what, I'm blanking out on his name now. Oh, he's really fast. Paul, you're not a big fan of him. He did. Uh, Mark Bagley. Yes, Mark Bagley. Thank you. What? As soon as he said, Paul, you're not a big fan of him. I'm like, oh right, <laughs> Mark Bagley. Uh, yeah, you know, I um, like him, but yeah, it's uh, all his noses. All his, uh, just, I don't know. He, he can turn off I his think, work quickly. I think he's good on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, a book where everyone's a little bit younger, yeah. more than he is on something like Justice League or Trinity, Trinity. where yeah. you need to have that stature. Because all of his characters tend to be a little bit younger, a little bit more slender. Mm-hmm. Lies, I was going to say. But yeah, yeah, slenders works. Um Live, you you uh, you pulled out the thesaurus. I did not. Ah, yeah. Uh, talk, uh, our next book, number seven here, uh, is unapologetic in its way of <laughs> being the opposite of what we were just talking about, uh, being able to introduce new yeah. readers. Yeah, this, this is, is very much dependent on you knowing everything, or or at least having some sort of background and just enjoying that background. Uh, you need to know what an any human is. You need to know about the Atlanteans. You need to know about uh, Jeepers. They go. They go deep with the mole, mole men, and they go deep with the high evolutionary here uh, in this book. This is this is this story arc. I think is like um, one of those episodes of Doctor Who, where it finally ties in all the stuff that they've been laying the groundwork for in the first like eight episodes. This is like uh, from the Matt Smith run, uh, Demons Run. Uh, this is. You know, that kind of episode where everything kind of starts hitting the fan all together, all at once, and then everything kind of just makes logical sense and ties in. And this is Fantastic Four. The storyline arc is called Three, and this runs the gambit of episode uh, or issues uh, 583 to 588, uh, written by, you know, um, Jonathan Hickman, art by Steve Epting, uh, talking about giving stature and presence to to a person, Steve Epting. He, he draws solid people. Uh, and this is just the solid book that just really rewards the long-term fans of this sto- the, the whole story arc. But I think this one is that culmination of uh, Hickman's run. And from here, he, he's able to keep on going for another two years, which is amazing. Uh, I think this is that big science that you want, but at the very heart of it, that family story. And it has emotional beats that really hit you. Like uh, John was talking about, basically, in 588, the very the backup is uh, Peter Parker talking to Ben Franklin about two uncles that have just passed away. Ben Franklin? Not Ben Franklin. <laughs> Franklin Richards? Franklin That's Richards. That's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Parker talking to a cat. What be- what's better I'll than that? I'll buy that book. <laughs> Of course you would. Um, well, I also like the issue where it was uh, Ben Grimm just trying to work out his aggression. Mm-hmm. Same issue. Hulk and Horror. Like, yeah. Hulk and Thor take him out to the desert and be like, all right, buddy, what do you need? Hit something. Yep. I need to hit you guys. So they just start beating on each other it's great and it's uh yeah that was uh issue 588 and there was that the first the opening of that book completely silent just sue storm just being unapproachable just like so sad that she's just literally put up a bubble around her and just oh and this isn't the first time that 
the Fantastic Four had lost a member. Mm-hmm. Usually it's Ben Grimm. But uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's happened to everybody. <laughs> True. Uh, so it wasn't a shock that, you know, it was Johnny's turn to go. It wasn't a shock that they, you know, would wind up bringing him back later. But when you can tell just a gut-wrenching, tear-jerking story that you know ultimately is going to get reversed a couple months down the road because, like, you got to have the Fantastic Four as the four. It was uh, over a year. How long did that uh, FF book come out for? Uh, well over a year because they wow. kept uh, they kept FF going after they brought Johnny back as well. Uh, but I, I think that speaks to the quality of the creative team over on it. And when you start talking about like crazy outlandish science, like Jonathan Hickman, man, he's got it. Yeah, it definitely it it has it and it works. And this is a book that Paul's always championed, and it's one of those books that it just feels. Oh yeah, I'd read it from start to finish, but it just feels too heavy. And the the moments I've always flipped through the books, or the time that Paul has actually made us sit down and read it, so good. Are those kind of more heart wrenching kind of moments, like this issue, that final issue of Hickman's run? Um. But yeah, this is this is within this storyline is the thing that like a couple weeks ago I had found the Peter Parker talking to Ben Franklin or <laughs> fuck you Paul <laughs> of Richard uh, Franklin Richard reads Fri- <laughs> sorry <laughs> Franklin Richards um, talking you know having those moments like I could have i think i could have helped my uncle and spider-man peter going you know what kid i know i could have helped my uncle and i didn't Mm -hmm. and with you know that great power comes great responsibility and i live every day trying to make my uncle proud now and these are kind of your moments and also telling the kid he's going to buy him a hot dog and then Mm -hmm. having to borrow money to buy the kid a hot dog (laughs) (laughs) i don't have But no, this is definitely this is the champion of Paul. Paul would probably put this in the top five. Oh, this would be number one. Yeah, number one slot. Yeah, Uh, and he was happy to have it at number seven. Yep, (laughs) I really wanted it at four because it just works. (laughs) It it fits into the scheme, but Mm -hmm. there's some really yeah really solid books out. there there are some solid books and we'll be talking about another one if everybody's wrapped up on this one we'll move on right to number six right yeah are, you know we'll yeah we'll run away right up to number six hey uh because number six is going to be runaways what numbers, i didn't even know one. that was happening pride and joy <laughs> and this is written by brian k vaughn with art by adrian alfona and mm. this is the first like fresh book on our list um the runaways did not exist before brian Kavon created them and this is a group of kids who find out that their parents are somewhat super villains in the la crime scene and what happens when you find out your parents are bad guys you run away from them and you try to find a way to take them out um, this came out as part of the marvel tsunami line which was designed to be something to kind of combat the gigantic sales of manga that were happening at bookstores. 
So Marvel was like, hey, let's do more young adult themed books. Look, um, mm-hmm. oh, I'm blanking on the word I want to use. Soon, uh, well, uh, it's not combined. They were doing a digest version. They'll basically just be collected in the digest format. Oh, okay. I had a better word for it, Paul. You, you took the thesaurus. I can't find it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, uh, but it'll be more digest size. It'll fit alongside those bookshelves nicely. But I think while the tsunami line quickly fell apart after that, we got just a worthwhile entry into the complete Marvel universe with all of these characters. And this is something that I cannot love enough. Being a fan of like young heroes, like the Teen Titans, later something like Young Justice, the Runaways were just such a fresh idea. And it's something that we hadn't seen from Marvel in a long, long time with the teenage heroes. It, it is one of those, and it's a great adventure book. It's a road trip book between teenagers on the run, hence Runaways. And I think it's it's kind of like the thing that you always wish you could have done as a kid, like just get in as a group. It's the Goonies in the Marvel universe. It it's the it is yeah. It's the Lost Boy. It's that you know teen movie, '80s teen movie. And you're like gaining all these superpowers from your parents that are like Chris mentioned, they're not supervillains because they don't want because they know if they bring up too much heat, there's no way they can go toe to toe with the you know actual superheroes. So they're going to stay just on one side side of the law where they're just breaking enough rules to be able to beat the cops, but really not get anybody from New York to come after them. That's why they're in Los Angeles. They want to be as far away from New York City, the Avengers. The, those crazy mutants and everybody else. We're going to stay here in Los Angeles. We're going to make our money. We're going to live comfortably. Don't step out of the line. Don't go too crazy. and Everything will be fine. And their kids find out about this and they're kind of shocked and they're like, we, we don't know what's going to go on. And they're kind of led on this adventure. Not to spoil anything, but they are definitely led on an adventure. I, I think... No, no real spoilers there, because at, mm-hmm. at the end of the first issue, you, you get the reveal that like this group of kids that's been getting together for years, like while their parents hang out and talk, quote-unquote, business, mm-hmm. you find out that they're all villains, and then like the kids kind of get away from it. Um, I, just, I think this book became something so much bigger than it could have been, mm-hmm. and I just attribute that all to Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona, because this book it, it just sings on every single level and alfalona's art is just that chaotic um kinetic fresh everybody looks young everybody looks their age and it's just a really fixed the tone of the book which and, is what they're trying to do is a more magnate style without being but it doesn't scream like oh we're ma- it's a magna book a manga book or however you pronounce it it's and it feels I th- like I a think a lot I think a lot of that too is attributed to Christina Strain's coloring because mm. if you look at Alfona's art on something like Runaways versus Miss Marvel Miss Marvel looks a lot like flatter okay yeah um, and mm-hmm. and nothing against that coloring but Runaways, it's just that more kind of like watercolor, softer look to it, I think. I, I think just everything about this book works so well. I'm glad they've kind of rotated through the Marvel Universe up, up to currently. They haven't had an ongoing book in years. Um, 
But they've shared those characters. They've mm-hmm. But they, they've shared those characters. They, they've come back for all the big crossovers. Uh, most recently when we had the, uh, oh my gosh, the Doctor Doom. What was it called? Secret Wars? Was it Secret Wars? Battle World? Yeah. Oh, Battle World. Battle yeah. World. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we, we had a Runaways book again with some different characters in it. If you're looking for 616, 616 appearances, I'm getting coffee started right now. Holy crap. <laughs> um, 616 appearances, the most recent book that most of the characters appeared in was over in Avengers Academy and then Avengers Underground. Um, they keep coming back, and I think that speaks just to the characters themselves. Like They do still have a home, even if they don't have a title. And this is something that anytime we've gone to like comic book conventions and we've sat at the Marvel panels, like one of the things they specifically say before anyone has to ask the question is, no, there is no book in the works now for Runaways or Alpha Flight. <laughs> well, we only we, they only say Alpha Flight because we're, we're in Tor- Canada. Or Toronto, yeah, Toronto, Canada. But yeah, but it's like one of those things like. No, we we don't need to be asked again about this. That's another thing I know about Canada. They really love their Alpha Flight. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> either lives in Toronto. All about, it's like space. Yeah. Well, you know, with their new prime minister, maybe they all want to. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. He seems like a cool guy. He does seem like a cool guy, Justin Trudeau. He, he like apologized multiple times for like accidentally elbowing someone, mm-hmm. and he's like. I'm sorry for this. Like, I will pay for my actions. Like, it's like, dude, like you were heated and like you accidentally nudged someone out of the way. Like, stop being so Canadian. <laughs> oh. But uh, so that's what's Reynolds. his name? Justin Trudeau. Yeah, Trudeau. Yeah, Canada, you're cool. I like that dude. I liked. Uh, uh, never mind. I don't want to get too political. <laughs> so, so off topic. Number five book, John. Oh, we're just doing the top six. Top five is next week. Oh, um, yeah. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Yeah, that's five. five that yeah. is five. I didn't realize we were doing it in two. Oh, my bad. We've always done it in two. Did the we DC only did it one other time. And we did it in two. <laughs> I don't know. Do you... I mean, what? what's the time? We're at an hour 20. It's a good time to wrap yeah. up. Let's call it. But we'll probably have a lot more to talk about with these top five. Oh, yeah. The top three, especially. Because that's... That is... Uh, that is a neck-and-neck photo-finish kind of race for those top three. Oh, so excited. Listeners, if you have a, your top ten list or want to guess at our top five, uh, do that over on our Facebook page. Uh, we got Chris, you got show notes already typed up, right? They are, they are pretty much ready to go. I just need oh. to make the album artwork and then put in the uh, dramatic reading panel, but yeah. Yeah, so when when uh, we get that posted up on our Facebook page, go ahead, comment on this episode right there. Uh, we love feedback. We always want more of it. So please let us know what you think. And fun thing, hey, if you follow those show notes where you can see everything that we talk about this ish, uh, this episode, there's going to be links where you can buy these trade paperbacks off of Amazon and then help us out over at the Bagging Broadcast. Oh, that would be decent. That'd be so decent. <laughs> yes, it would be decent. <laughs> you can also, you know what else is decent? Getting ratings and reviews on iTunes. It's been so long since we've had one. Oh, I love them ratings and reviews. I don't care what you write in the review, as long as it's there's something hey, there. They should put their top ten list of uh, Marvel books in that yeah, review no, list. No, no, they're top five. Top five. Top five. Or, or, or bottom five. 
or bottom five, I guess. Bottom five, top five, whatever kind of five. Just even if you write the number five on it. I'll just assume that meant he gave up five stars. Put a drawing of your hand in there. Make it a jerky if you want. <laughs> we don't care. iTunes doesn't care. They just want to see that it's getting talked about, and they'll bump us up on the ratings, and then other people will find the show. And that's really uh, why you should do it. We just like to see you guys write stuff. We get really excited about that. And we always read them on the show. Uh, but yeah, it actually helps the podcast. Mm-hmm. So thank you for those who have. Mm-hmm. And thank you to those that will. <laughs>